Welcome to the Athletic MBA Show, Monday through Friday on the Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to Tampering. Beautiful game of basketball that we all love and talk about every single day. Sam To be able to bring people together. Reportedly at the center of an NBA investigation into tampering accusations. And the message to executives in the league is not talking about players on other teams. What did I do? The charges filed. Impermissible contact. Right or wrong. Tampering charges are really difficult to prove. You know me, I talk. Awkward even talk about it. I can't even mention teams anymore. Actually, what I like to play with Kevin Durant. The trial you want with tampering. They're always ahead of the rules. It's not rocket science. Hey, we don't think I have tamper with the guys. I didn't tamper. I'm just telling you what happened. I'm just telling you what happened. Welcome to the Tampering Podcast, part of the Athletic NBA Show. I am here with the one and only Lakers owner, Jeannie Buss, and, and I'm glad that we're doing Zoom so that I could see Jeannie shaking her head as I rattle off the name of this podcast. Uh, Jeannie, you have no idea how long I've waited to share this tampering moment with you. How are you doing today? <laughs> Can you please just give me a little background as to why it's called the Tampering Podcast? That is I, I would think that would really make people hesitant about joining me and it's made me second guess my own decision. <laughs> oh man. So first of all, you should know you're definitely not the first owner to come on. So other folks have gotten over this tampering fear. Uh, I got to be genuine with you because you and I have known each other quite a, a long time. You, you know, there was a moment not that long ago in the NBA when, I mean, tampering from all angles was a, a hot topic and the type of thing we talked about all the time. And so this podcast and kind of the identity and the way it was formed was supposed to be kind of the behind the scenes stuff, the, the maybe the not so sanitized version of NBA coverage. And so that's what inspired it. We might need to refresh the, the intro. Uh, again, I'm just going to own it. The intro might have uh, the one and only Magic Johnson kind of highlighted. So that's maybe something that you're trying to put in your past. <laughs> so there's a lot here. But thank you for getting through all that and joining me. Um, the timing couldn't be better. We haven't talked officially on the record in a while. And we are two days removed from you know your beloved franchise getting back to the NBA Finals for the first time in 10 years. So just very simply and directly, what was that like for you to see happen? It's a long time coming, and you know you spent your entire life being used to your team being on this stage. What you know? How did it hit you? Well, what what's unusual is first of all to be playing basketball, playoff basketball during this time period. Normally in September we would be, you know, previewing the season and talking about you know what what the possibilities were, and. Uh, so for me, um, the game that actually um, clinched the Western Conference Finals victory fell on my birthday, and that kind of became the the happy belated birthday, by the way. Oh, thank you. And for our team, it was, you know, just um, you know how how much they the the the, the players and the coaches wanted me to know that it was something to celebrate my birthday. So it, it really took on a different meaning with, you know, the, the distance, me being in LA and them being in the bubble in Orlando. 
um, it, it was kind of a moment of humanity and, and you know, remembering what it's like to have family. And certainly um, it's been a long time uh, since we were in the, the finals and um, I couldn't be more proud. I think that this season is extraordinary and it's been fragile and uh, the sacrifices that the players and the coaching staff and all the training staff that um, have been separated from their, their pets, their home. Um, some have had loved ones come in um, to the bubble. So, um, you know, it's been a, it's a huge sacrifice, which makes it even that much more special. So I, I'm thrilled that we are in the finals. I think they're very, you know, serious about it, not going overboard and over celebrating a conference final win. They, you know, they, they want to keep going. They want to keep the winning going. Right. I'm curious, and we haven't talked offline about this at all, because you're not out here yet. I believe you're, you're going to be coming in a couple of days. Um, what is the viewing experience like for you? What is your routine and your habit? And, and in that clinching game, you know, especially being your birthday, you know, if you can share, like, where are you? Who are you with? You know, how are you taking it all in? I'm, I'm just I'm at my house by myself. I mean, I, I, you know, we have this cool option that uh, fans can be part of a virtual wall. And I just couldn't think about doing that because you have to kind of sit still the entire right. game. And I can't sit right. still the entire game. And I think uh, the, the, the game winner um, from, you know, earlier in the, in the uh, round by Anthony Davis, when he made that shot, and I let out a scream that I didn't even know I was capable of. And my dog just looked at me like, what is happening right now? So, you know, I think I share that experience with Laker fans and, you know, and, you know, through social media, we're able to kind of watch the game together by interacting in real time. So we've just all kind of made the best of it. And, uh, but certainly I, I miss, um, you know, seeing people at Staples Center high-fiving, hugging, you know, things that we have really, you know, I don't know when that is going to happen again, um, you know, what next season will look like. Um, but, you know, certainly I, I, I'm just so proud of the job that they've done and continue to do by the commitment they've made to being in the bubble and, and you know, making Laker fans proud back home. Well, and I think to add on to that, the part that I'm sure if I was in your shoes that you would appreciate about the way your team has handled the experience in the biggest moments and AD's shot being bigger than any, you know, in the postgame media, it's it's so interesting, Jeannie, because you'll see the, the excitement and the euphoria on the court. The guys enjoy each other in the locker room afterwards, but the energy is different and it, it kind of diffuses more quickly because there's no fans. And then during the media, your guys have often said, like Le LeBron more than anybody, that, you know, this was great, but man, I wish it was at Staples. And, you know, it would have been crazy if it was at Staples. That part, yeah, and, and they're dead on. It would have been wild. I, I do credit the league. Like you said, the bubble's going very well. The basketball, honestly, has been tremendous. I think, part, you know, no travel has helped these players quite a bit, getting their rest, you know, having time to focus on the game. So uh, a lot of great stuff coming out of here. Um uh, 
Let's take a second to hit the rewind button because I'm watching this game the other night and I'm thinking to myself that in my years of covering the NBA going back to 2004, I I really cannot remember a turnaround, um, not just in terms of a team going from struggling on the court to getting to the NBA finals, but in terms of the interpersonal dynamics and everything that has gone on with your franchise in the last 17 months. And and I'm going to start with I was hoping that you could kind of share insight on your relationships with some of the people that have been the most important to this season. But Frank Vogel is a guy who, when he got hired, you know what the narrative was in the media, that he was not the first pick and the Ty Lue situation didn't work out and was it going to be Monty Williams? And then, you know, Frank has his press conference on the day where, where Magic, uh, and it was unfortunate that he that was the day he's on ESPN you know, kind of being pretty tough on Rod Palenka. Mm-hmm. To go from that to Frank wishing you happy birthday as this team gets to the NBA Finals is just remarkable. Um, how does all of that land with you? Um, you know, I think it's um, really a credit to the, you know, the the people, you know, in the, you know, in the front office, the inner circle, um, you know, we, we knew that, um, you know, when Magic stepped down um, from his position with the Lakers that, you know, wh- while, you know, I, I still am not exactly clear why and why it, it had to be that day, <laughs> um, you know, we knew that, that the outside world would be questioning everything that we were doing and that we just had to kind of let it roll off our backs and just do the work. And we knew that, that, that takes time and, you know, going through the, the coaching search um, and, you know, identifying great candidates like Monty Williams, who, um, you know, uh, the Phoenix Suns ended up hiring before we were through with our process. And, and I think he's proven to be a great head coach and, and really, they sh- that showed in the bubble, um, uh, you know, early on. Then, you know, in, in our process, then Juwan Howard, we met with him, right, um, right. Ty Lu, Frank Vogel. And um, really, for what we were trying to do, Frank was the perfect fit. And, um, and you know, it, it was, you know, again, going through that summer was really difficult because everybody, all the speculation, all the um, innuendo and, and you know, it, it really doesn't serve you to, you know, defend yourself. You know, people, you know, it did seem like, you know, what was going on and the only thing that would ever really write would be the work and the, 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 the body of work, the evidence of work. And so, you know, we just stuck our heads down and, you know, I think the, the Anthony Davis trade um, was uh, important. It was difficult. Um, I think probably for me, the, the hardest thing in this business is trading away players um, but in order to get a player of the value and the talent of Anthony Davis, you have to give up value and talent. And um, so we had to let, you know, Lonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram and Josh Hart and the number four pick um, to get Anthony. And, um, you know, it, it was really the right thing for us to do because when you have somebody like LeBron James, 
and um, where he is at his career, it's, you, you got to go all in. And, um, you know, we then went through free agency, which was a little odd um, just because um, decisions were being, you know, kind of stretched long. And um, but I think we recovered well um, from the delay. And, you know, the, the roster that Rob Polinka put together um, really is now you're now seeing what the vision was because it is a versatile team that can go big, can go small. Um, and uh, that doesn't really show until you're in the playoffs. Well, we hadn't been in the playoffs for so long. It was really hard to see what what the vision was and where we, we were going. But now that we're in the playoffs, you can see how um, the versatility of the lineups and, uh, you know, um, and that's really a testament to our, our front office um, and being led by Rob Polinka. Well, and then within that, and, and you kind of hit on it, you know, that again, the turnaround's remarkable and the magic component in particular, you know, the other day when you guys get to the finals, you are jumping on Twitter and giving magic love for the part that he played in this whole process I think anybody outside looking in sees that and says, "Wow, now that's that's quite a thing to to find a way to go from you know him kind of wandering the halls of of the Staples Center looking for you after he's announced to the world that he's leaving to you deciding to kind of you know take the high road and give him credit." I mean, well, you you really have to you have to really look back to because I know basketball wise the timing might have seemed odd, but you have to really look back to when he joined us and what was going on with the organization. And that was when the, the, there was a challenge to the, the management that, you know, my brother, Jim, was in charge of basketball. And he had hired a group of lawyers that were trying to unseat me and put the team kind of in chaos. And so that had to be dealt with. And you know, it, it's not something really that the fans want to hear about. They don't care about that, the, the you know, the, the boardroom kind right. of stuff. But um, if, if Magic right. hadn't have come back and stabilized everything under his leadership, because that's what we needed. We needed somebody that was going to come in who everybody knew loves the Lakers more than, than anybody on earth. And would never let, allow anything to happen with the Lakers. That he, him coming on board, gave us the stability so that we could resolve the boardroom issues and get back to getting the Lakers back on track to what Dr. Bus built, you know, over forty, you know, over forty years ago. Right, right, Jeannie. On a personal level, I, I wonder also. You know, we're sitting here talking today about a a very happy time for you in, in the Lakers uh, history, and you're glad to be back on the final stage. How, I don't want to over-dramatize anything here, but I mean, this has got to be one of the toughest stretches for you of your life. Because you, if you go back to mid-April of last year, you have the Lakers chaos that you don't want to ever be kind of the reality for your franchise. You know, then in October, you have the China-Hong Kong situation that was really challenging for your team. You know, LeBron in particular, I wrote a tough column about him at the time and how he handled some of the, the messaging within that situation, uh, you know, it gets worse from there. You lose your mother 
not that long after that, you know, David Stern dies on New Year's Day, and then Kobe and Gianna and, and the other seven other victims in the helicopter crash. Um, it's unfathomable stuff. And then you're chipping away at it, trying to fix the franchise in the process. Um, take me through that a little bit. Um, you know, um, like you said, it's it's hard to imagine that we're now coming on a, a year ago that we started this season when yeah. the team left for China. And certainly um, that was a, a situation that was unfortunate that, you know, as, you know, this kind of, um, you know, bad, you know, the, the, I, I don't really know how to explain it. Just, you know, the, the um, Chinese government taking offense to uh, one of the NBA executives, you know, sending out a tweet. And, you know, we were the team that was landing in China as this was unfolding. So it kind of put right. our team right in the, the center of a storm that was none of our doing. And yet it, we had to bear the, the, the brunt of that backlash. And, you know, it was, it was um, you know, a difficult way to start a season. And, um, you know, it just, you know, added to the challenge of, you know, a new coaching staff, you know, a bunch of new players and trying to get things going um, in, the, in, you know, for the expectations that we had set on ourselves. And um, certainly um, uh, there was, a, you know, we're in a we're in a unique situation because we share a market with another team. Uh, New York um, has the same, you know, thing dynamic as yeah. us as there's the other teams don't deal with that. So, you know, we, we kind of had this, um, you know, um, you know, kind of challenge by even in our own market, who was going to be the, the team that would, um, you know, be the most, um, successful on the court. So, um, you know, it just, it, it, it was a lot of heavy weight. And again, you know, really it was about doing the work and about um, this excellent coaching staff that we put together that brought, um, you know, so many different mind, great minds of basketball, Lionel Hollins, Jason Kidd, Bill Handy, um, you know, supporting Frank Vogel and, you know, his vision of how he wanted the team to be. And so it, it really is, um, as they say, you got to play the games to, you know, show, you know, the work. And so we were, right. you know, feeling the success, um, you know, and um, then, you know, tragedy on top of tragedy, losing my mother, um, losing David Stern, and then, of course, um, our beloved Kobe Bryant and his daughter, Gianna. And, um, you know, uh, an unusual, you know, I mean, nobody could predict that. And it still, it still hurts. It's still fresh. And, you know, and it was important that we as a team take time we asked the league to postpone a game that we were supposed to play because it hit our team really deeply. 
and they were in no um, presence of mind to to be able to play and and be safe on the court, um, being so full of emotion and trying to process what was happening. And um, you know, I, you know, I'm I'm so proud of what the, the resiliency that this team has shown under the, all these circumstances that have have been put on them and added to them and um, the strength of our leadership, um, you know, with LeBron James at the the top being the captain of the team and and being the leader, um, you know, has brought us closer together. And uh, I couldn't be more proud of how they've represented um, Laker Nation. I mean, as we sit here talking, I can see behind you, you've got Andy Bernstein's great book with Kobe, and obviously his presence is going to be all around your world. Um, What did it mean to you, though, that when your team gets to the playoffs, even on the media side, Jeannie, we reporters had had some discussions about, we were curious, you know, because of the season stoppage, that emotionally for the Lakers, I understand the idea of kind of carrying Kobe's spirit with you and having it be part of the season, but when you had you know, such a long delay, I thought it was interesting psychologically, like, can you still carry that with you or, or are you kind of starting fresh? And your team made it pretty clear when they got here that they still break huddles, you know, talking about Kobe, they still talk about him internally. Uh, The peak of that is when AD hits that shot in game two. I mean, that part, you can't write a better script. He turns and yells Kobe's name because of your longtime friendship and relationship with Kobe. uh, You know, that stuff had to make you smile. Um, yeah, and you know, and and when you said like you wouldn't write a, a better script, like it, this this wasn't created. This wasn't something like oh, the front office is now going to dedicate the season. This is completely organic. This is coming from the heart. You you can't write this because this is this is who these players are. And and I I know what my relationship with was with Kobe and and how generous he was with his advice and his support, um, you know, of me personally, I didn't realize how much he gave to so many other people of his time, of his wisdom. And, you know, when you have, you know, the, the winner of the, the U.S. Open talking about, you know, her conversations with Kobe and how he inspired her and, and people in other sports, in other countries, and, you know, this, this is, you know, who Kobe was and the reflection of how many lives he's touched and will continue to touch because I don't think that, that you know, his, his, you know, grieving this loss is felt by everybody. Like we all lost somebody um, who was... Um, a giving person and stood for what can somebody can accomplish with a mindset and, and a person that will be willing to do the work and work harder than everybody else and continue to push and challenge themselves. So that those lessons that he taught us and what he stood for will, you know, won't disappear in time. And, um, you know, he will forever be part of this franchise However, you know, however it will be represented. We started with 22 teams heading down to Orlando, and now we are down to the final two. 
That's right, basketball's final two teams are set to square off to see who will be crowned basketball's champion. And there's no better place to get in on all the action than DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports. To celebrate basketball's championship, DraftKings will have millions of dollars in total prizes up for grabs all week long. So get in on all the action now. If you haven't tried it yet, fantasy basketball is easy to play. Just pick six players, stand to the salary cap, and pile up points for three-pointers, rebounds, assists, and more. No better way to put your basketball knowledge to the test than to compete at a shot for millions of dollars. With millions of dollars up for grabs this week, there's no better place to have skin in the game than with DraftKings. Download the DraftKings app now and use the promo code RUN to get a free shot at millions of dollars up for grabs this week with your first deposit. That's promo code RUN to get a free shot at millions of dollars with your first deposit. Only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply. Let's take another step back and talk about the internal dynamics and workings of your franchise, something you and I have talked about a lot in the past. And and honestly, to me, it's like, listen, if we're going to be critical in times when it's not going very well, then we need to, you know, flip that the other way and and, and highlight it when it it does appear to be going a lot better than before. And I'm talking about synergy. I'm talking about um, trust, you know, in, in the past, these were things that, that were not in a good place with your group. And I think your fans, even though they, they know a lot about how you guys operate, I think there's still some mystery and, and kind of curiosity about, you know, whose voices are in the room, how they are all working together. Even out here in the bubble, you know, Kurt Rambis being on site is telling of the role that Kurt is now playing mm-hmm. uh, as an advisor. And, and, you know, I think you probably agree advisor is a, it's a very general title. I mean, Kurt has a significant voice. And obviously his wife, Linda, your, your friend, lifelong friend, you know, Rob Palenka and his part all the way through, because you already hit on it earlier, back when your brother was in the front office and Mitch Kupchak, you had factions, you had, um, it just, it wasn't functioning the way that I know you wanted it to. How do you feel overall about all of these pieces coming together? And, you know, do you still have progress to make on that front or, or has that stuff been fixed? Um, you know, I think that, um, you know, we, we had, um, there were too many voices that were, um, you know, too many leaks, too many people talking and not being on the same page. And so we, we took the off season to, um, shore those things up and, and to, um, you know, we're, we like to collaborate together to be on the same page it doesn't mean just a bunch of people agreeing to for the sake of agreeing. We like to hash things out, um, debate, you know, just just work through. So yes, you the 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 people that I rely on that I trust, um, Rob leading our front office, Kurt Rambis being an advisor, 
Linda Rambis, who I've worked with for over 30 years. Um, you know, these are the people that I trust. And um, then bringing on a coaching staff that reflected those beliefs and that and that level of collaboration. And, um, you know, it, it's every team is set up differently. Nobody has a secret formula or, you know, a patented formula that everybody has to follow and how they set up their front office. But for the vision of what we want Laker basketball to be, which is the, the Laker basketball that Dr. Buss really kind of, you know, made a successful formula is, is you know, the, the touch points of what we're trying to recreate and, 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 you know, bring back Laker basketball as the people who have supported us were used to. And, and the product that we had given them for five or six years was not what Laker basketball was supposed to be. And when you, when you, you know, bait and switch with your, your customers who have supported you, there, there's an understanding why Laker fans weren't happy, why the media was questioning what was going on, who's in charge, you know, all these different voices and factions. And I, I believe we have brought everybody under the same umbrella and working in, in concert with each other and, and, you know, building something that people can see what, you know, why the decisions that are being made complement the decision before that, that things are being done as we're building and, um, and that's paid off. I wonder during that whole process, you know, you, I know that you, you pay attention to the conversation in the media. Um, and I wonder if there might've been times when you, you know, watch something on TV or read something or heard something, whether it was criticism or just analysis that landed with you to where you find yourself saying, yeah, we, we do need to do this specific thing better. And, and the one I'm thinking of is to see, Rob, you know, rightly so, get a lot of credit now for the way the roster was built and the versatility you mentioned earlier. When you guys, when you made that choice to put Rob in there, there were a lot of people who felt like in terms of best hiring practices that you should go out and get the best executive, not necessarily the the best executive with personal ties to your organization. So some of the criticism was kind of the, the assertion that it wasn't a case of who was the best candidate. It was, you know, more personal dynamics. Now, no better time than as we sit here about for your team to go to the finals that I think you'd probably be comfortable fielding that question. But, you know, that type of conversation that's always going to surround uh, a pro sports owner, uh, what do you think of that? Well, I, I, I understand exactly, you know, it, it's kind of like the, the, the process that we went through in hiring a coach where we identified candidates, we went through an interview process, we had, you know, what our goals were in terms of, of the, the length of contract that would be signed, the budget that would be adhered to, um, and what the vision that we had. And so we went through that transparent process. When, when it came to uh, hiring Magic and Rob Palinka, that was done um, right, right before the All-Star break. And had we gone through an interview process 
um, then it would have tipped off what was going to happen and what, you know, and the, these are, this is the boring legal stuff, but there was a, a, you know, there was a plan that my brother had about unseating me as the governor to put the, the Lakers in chaos, meaning there would not be one decision maker because of the way the trust was set up and the board of directors and a lot of complicated legal maneuvering, that there was no way that there we couldn't go through a normal process of going through interviews because it would have tipped off the lawyers and would have, you know, the most important thing was to keep the Lakers stable. And there was a group of people trying to destabilize us. And so things had to be done quickly and swiftly and, and in order to, to bring that stability. So Rob, any criticism of Rob Polinka is, is unfounded. And um, he is a brilliant man a person of high integrity, and he he is, um, you know, his vision of what basketball should be, what Laker basketball should be, is what you're seeing on the court. And, um, you know, any of the, I understand your point about going through a transparent process of doing interviews and bringing people in, but that would have tipped off what, you know, the 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 legal threat that was looming over this franchise and I was not going to let this franchise um go into disarray. That that is that is the 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 conversations that I had with my father, which was he put me in charge and gave me the authority to make the change of letting my brother go. And he expected me to use it to protect the most important thing. You know, I like to say that my dad had his, you know, children, but the Lakers were his baby. And I, he put me in charge of the baby and, you know, family ties and that kind of confusing stuff, um, you know, has to be put aside. And the number one priority is to make the Lakers safe, make them great, and, and run the franchise the way he envisioned it. And that's what I'm doing. Right. With that backdrop, is there any part of you that, that just surprises the wrong word, but you are talking about a, a threading the needle type of situation that you had to navigate through and then to get again from there to here, there's got to be some part of you that, that is a little struck by, um, the way that, that you guys have gotten to this place? Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, when I look back at all the different things that have transpired, to, to be here now um, is um, really a testament to the people that I trust the most, which are, you know, Rob and Kurt Rambis and Linda Rambis and my younger two brothers, Jesse Buss and Joey Buss. Uh, Jesse is uh, the head of our scouting and has done a fantastic job identifying talent like Kyle Kuzma, you know, late in the draft and, um, you know, and Joey Buss, who runs our um, uh, G League team, the South Bay Lakers, and, you know, somebody like Alex Caruso, who, who 
was part of our G League team and, you know, continuing to develop his game has now become an important part of this success. So that it's all those people coming together with a like mind and a, a like vision and, and collaborating and building towards something that was together as opposed to everybody trying to pull, um, you know, the team in whatever direction they thought was right. And, um, you know, that is what, that's what this organization is about. Jeannie, I've waited way too long to, uh, to put LeBron James front and center here. So let's, let's talk about that guy for a second. Um, I've covered him in some capacity since the very beginning. I was actually at his first game in Sacramento and I was just getting started when it comes to my own NBA career. And that guy was probably 50 pounds lighter than this guy. And, you know, this guy still jumps uh, through the roof. This guy still beats guys down the floor. The way he takes care of his body is incredible. Uh, the other night, this is a little slice of bubble life that you'll appreciate. We were sitting out by the lake the night that your team celebrated. So two nights ago. Um, and the Three Bridges restaurant is where all the teams go to unwind. And, and I and listen, I understand this is not a complaint, but media is not allowed over there. So it creates a funny dynamic where us writers are chilling by the lake with our bottle of wine and our laptops getting our work done. And everybody from your team is coming by. Uh, your coach stopped by, you know, one of the nights to say hello. But I see LeBron ride his bicycle over the three bridges to the restaurant, drops his bike off at the door. And because, you know, sound carries pretty well over water, you could hear the celebration happening. And so LeBron walks through the room and you can see that he has the NBA entertainment crew behind him, cameras, boom mics. And when he comes in that room, the place explodes. Everybody's screaming, hey, you know, and welcome. I think somebody yelled speech, speech, speech. And, and they're having a great time. But that same night, Mike Mancius, you know, LeBron's career long trainer had stopped by our little uh, area to say hello. And it made me think about just the longevity of LeBron and the greatness that he continues to display. But let's get into your relationship with him, because two years ago, we you and I sat down for a, a pretty in-depth piece where I tried to look at how you guys landed LeBron. And I remember at the end of the interview, asking you just, okay, have you gotten to know this guy yet? What's the relationship? And you kind of smiled and you said, well, he retweeted one of my tweets, you know? <laughs> and so it was pretty fresh. Like you guys hadn't really connected. I know that even recently uh, ESPN's Ramona Shelburne had a good piece where she talked about how nine months in you guys finally go to dinner and, and certainly things have grown since there. So kind of take me through the the LeBron experience through Jeannie Buss's eyes. You know, he's, he is, um, he, you know, he's, he's different than any player that I've ever, um, you know, watched, um, how he, um, operates. He's just, you know, I mean, we've had so many great Lakers that I've been around magic, Shaq, Kobe, Pau Gasol, you know, um, hall of famers. Um, it's, it's, um, his, he's just, he's such a strong presence his leadership is um, really, it's, it's something so unique. He's fearless. And I, I really, I feed off that. His strength like empowers me 
And I, and I'm sure that's how the rest of the team feels. And he's, he's not afraid to face any foe. He's not afraid of, I mean, he's, he's, like I said, he's just fearless and I'm, I'm, you know, so proud of him. But I think what um, I most appreciate about him and what I've learned from him is about accountability and that, um, you know, there, you know, call the way he can call out uh, hypocrisy or, you know, people who aren't living up to a standard. And that I really appreciate in him because I think there's uh, a lot of times where people want to shortcut things or want to blame other people or other situations as to why they didn't bring their A game or why they didn't, you know, deliver on a promise. Um, and he's, you know, he, he delivers on his promise and he expects everybody else to. And when you have a team and the, the guy who's leading your team holds that standard, then it makes everybody else have to be accountable and, and, and live up to what the bar that he set. And um, he is, um, I think his, his um, priorities about family and about um, social responsibility have really um, inspired me and made me um, really take time to reflect on what we could do better as an organization. And he, you know, hopefully will play, like you said, <clears throat> he takes great care of his body. <clears throat> Excuse me. I hope he plays for many, many more years. But however he, whatever his term is with the Lakers, he has forever left his mark on this team and this organization and on me. And, um, you know, he is somebody that I um, treasure and I will protect. And, um, you know, I have just enjoyed watching him play and, and nurture along his teammates and bring out the best in them. And um, he really is the most unique person in the league today. And, the, uh, you know, I couldn't be more proud that he's a Laker. I wondered, I mean, did you ever wonder if, because you have this pulse on Lakers nation and the fan base, and in the beginning, there were the questions of, uh, you know, how, LeBron, how are you going to ingratiate yourself to this fan base? And then the Co you know, the Kobe comparisons that seem like, you know, I wonder, like, is he ever going to feel like he's actually a Laker or is he just going to be a, a guy who put on a Lakers jersey? Like, you know, how did you see that, that him kind of finding his way in that space? Um, you know, I, you know, when, when he first came and there was, you know, some, maybe some pushback by some Laker fans or pretend Laker fans, because, you know, my comment was, you know, anyone, any Laker fan that isn't excited about LeBron James being a Laker really isn't a Laker fan. And, um, you know, I think he's, you know, the relationship, the, the mutual respect between he and Kobe and, um, you know, how he brought Laker Nation together after um, the, the loss of Kobe, I, I think has shown that he is, 
he is a Laker. And, you know, we have a saying, you know, here we, we go by the motto, once a Laker, always a Laker. And I think LeBron is a Laker and he, he belongs part of our history. And um, he is, he is bringing this franchise back to where um, it should be when the, I, I forget exactly which game it was. Um, if it was closing out against Houston and he brought up my dad's name in his post game comments. And I was so touched by him, you know, reflecting back on Dr. Bus. And, and I, I do believe they met uh, at some point down the line somewhere their, their paths crossed, but you know, he he really has embraced the the legacy of the Lakers, the his the, the history of the Lakers. When we sat down for dinner, he he brought up some things that I was really surprised because he'd really done research on, you know, what my dad built and the innovations that my dad brought to, you know, which from way before he was ever born. Um, you know, he he did a deep dive into Laker history, and I really was what, so out of curiosity. Uh, what was that? What did he bring up about um, the Showtime? How he, my dad interpreted um, the game, which you know, for younger fans, um, you know, when my dad came in, he was he was forty eight years old when he bought the team, and there was um, kind of a, a pushback that maybe. When you when you buy a team, you have to be approved by the other owners. And there were some owners that thought my dad was too young, that he was too outspoken, <laughs> that he had kind of this, uh, you know, uh, flamboyant lifestyle. Um, and you know, just he was just a different guy. Wore blue jeans every day. Right. Um, and you know that was him. And that kind of, you know, like ruffled the feathers of the, you know, the, the old guard. And, you know, there was, you know, some talk about not approving him. And, you know, he wanted the, the games to be more fun. He was a fan before anything else. Like he, he wanted, he wanted the, the games to reflect what he would enjoy. And, and he was um, very much about, including everybody in the party like it, it, he wanted everybody to have a good time from the the seats on the floor to the very top seat and that's where he sat um at the forum he actually sat what what would be seats behind the basket at the very top next to where the band played because he knew that if if he had a good time there then every every fan was going to have a good time because those, that, those were the furthest seats away, right. the least desirable seats in the arena. And he was going to right. make that be the spot everybody wanted to be in. Right. And it was that kind of interpretation of the game. And that when he wanted the way the lighting was at the forum that we replicated at Staples Center is kind of like a prize fight where the lights are focused on the game. And then when the, the, the team would take a break, he wanted the show to keep going. He didn't want everything to go quiet. So that's when he brought out the Laker girls. And we were the first team to ever have dancers perform. And so it was kind of like 
he wanted the show to keep going. So when the guys were taking a break, then the girls would take over the center stage and they would have, you know, it was kind of equal opportunity. Now it's the women that get the, the focus. And, um, you know, that, that was all revolutionary ideas. Now every team in the league has um, a, a dance squad. So, um, you know, and I, you know, the idea that LeBron was curious about, you know, who my dad was and, and, and his commitment to, to um, wanting the Lakers, you know, he felt that, that there was an East Coast bias in the media, that, that fans, everybody focused on the 76ers or the Knicks, and he wanted, um, you know, the, the Lakers, he wanted the city that embraced him because he wasn't from L.A., but he made L.A. his home. He wanted a, the team to that, you know, the city, the, the people in L.A. would be proud of. And so, you know, he it, the team really reflected that. And when, you know, he drafted Magic Johnson because you know, and, and that was kind of a controversial decision because Magic had to, you know, uh, read or um, ask, what was it called? Um, you know, like we didn't draft players at 19. It was, um, you know, um, you know, usually you didn't want to take chances on younger players. You wanted to draft a 22-year-old kid who played in a, Four years university yep. and, and gotten that coaching and that development. So it was kind of a risk, but he could, he saw that magic reflected that flair, that, you know, that ability to entertain and to, you know, make people breathless with some of the plays that he made. And, you know, I, I just appreciated that, that LeBron could appreciate who my dad was and him bringing up his name really, really touched my heart. Sure. Listen, I, I, I'm already over the time that we had talked about, but if you, if you have a couple more minutes, I am curious what your thoughts are on beyond the Lakers. Uh, I mean, I'm sitting in a bubble. We have no fans. Uh, we don't know what's coming next. Uh, where do you think we're going as a league? I know you're in constant touch with Adam Silver and all the other owners. You guys are having your Zoom calls and trying to read this room and figure out the best approach. Now, you know better than anybody that the the lack of fans is is obviously devastating organizations across the league economically, and so it seems that there is this discussion about how long can we wait um, to possibly get some fans back in the building, because if you can't, and if you have to go and, and you know do another bubble or regional bubbles or whatever it might be, you know that's going to have a, a fairly not fairly an extremely significant impact on everybody's bottom line. Um, what's kind of your, your, how do you handicap all this right now? Well, I mean, it's, it's hard to say. I think that every day brings new information and I, I appreciate that, you know, every, like the, the marching orders from day one was to keep everybody safe. And I believe the decision that Adam Silver made to shut down the league probably saved thousands of lives because because of that um, decision then made everybody realize how serious this pandemic was and you know that you know there had to be a reaction to um, you know keeping people safe and and making 
uh, our players safe. And, you know, I, what next season will look like, I don't know, but I, I believe that, um, you know, we have great minds at the league office that are bringing information from all different areas and, um, you know, Hopefully, I mean, the, the intention is to, to someday get back to where we can have fans in the seats, but we're not going to do anything that will put anybody at risk. So it, I think it's a work in progress and, you know, we'll just see how things go. And, you know, the idea that the, the bubble has worked and that we've been able to complete this um, season uh, is really a testament to that, um, you know, that mindset. And, and uh, you know, I couldn't be more proud of the league for leading us through some really tough, tough times. I wonder for you guys, how significant has it been on, I think we all make the assumption that the Lakers are printing money all day, every day, no matter what. You know what I mean? That's kind of the way that you guys end up getting talked about. Um, and I honestly, and I don't mean to, bring this up out of nowhere. I do wonder, is there anything you can shed light on? You guys took some heat for the choice to take the government loan money a while back. And I know you gave it back and I don't know if you've addressed that. I mean, I, I feel like from you guys to every squad in the, the association, there, there, there's not a lot of information and clarity about how badly people have been hit. Uh, you guys obviously, you know, have, have taken blows yourself, but uh, what do you think there? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, when we um, applied for that loan, there wasn't a lot of information. I think it was more out of like, let's just cover all our bases. And that, you know, uh, became a possibility. And certainly, as we realized quickly that it wasn't, um, you know, it wasn't earmarked for an organization like ours. And uh, we gave the money back immediately. Um, you know, uh, you know, it's, it, it was really just about trying to stay fluid and, st- you know, not knowing what was coming next and trying to, um, do whatever we could to, um, you know, keep going. I mean, we've, I'm in my office right now, but we haven't had our employees here since, since the shutdown. So, and we have every Laker employee working from home right now. Um, we asked um, all our top um, executives, including me, to take a, um, a pay reduction, which we did. Um, you know, it's it's trying to, you know, you know, you know, we don't know what's going to happen next. So we have to stay, you know, uh, we have to stay fluid and and make decisions as we go along with the information that we have at hand and do our best. Right, right. All right, lastly, Jeannie, on the fun stuff, uh, when are you, are you going to miss game one? Uh, or not miss it, but are you, you're not going to obviously be out here for that one. What's your plan in terms of taking in the finals yourself? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I plan to um, get to Orlando. I have to take a test um, before I get on a plane. Um, then I'll be tested every day that we're there. Um, I, you know, will be separated from the team where um, the the governor sit, and um, you know, it's it's you know, uh, it's 
this isn't a time that people are really meant to travel. And this isn't a time, you know, we all have to be careful and we all have to wear masks and take every precaution that we can to protect each other from um, spreading the virus. And hopefully we can get it under control. But, um, you know, everything has to be thought through and I will do everything to, to do my part to keep everybody safe. Well, I look forward to seeing you somewhat in person. I think you're going to be in, in tier two, which is you'll see when you get here. It's man, it's such a weird dynamic. And I didn't even mention former Laker great Pat Riley and the clash of these two organizations. You're, you're going to see, you know, you will be sitting on one side of tier two and looking down and probably waving at LeBron and Frank and the guys. And and then Pat will be on the other side. He sits with Andy Ellisberg, his top front office guy. It, it's just I've 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 grown a soft spot for that dynamic because like when the Heat win games, Jimmy Butler will look up in the, the stands and point at Pat, and they try to have a moment, you know, through pl- uh, plexiglass and and this weird environment that these guys are all in. But uh, should be a fantastic finals. I can't thank you enough for taking all this time. Always great to talk to you. Thank you, Jeannie. Thank you very much for having me.